So we're starting to see like the weird and wonderful of stones really breaking through into the mainstream in strength sports. So it's an exciting time to have new discoveries being put into, you know, this jambalaya of stones for want of a better phrase. Welcome to the Barbend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by Barbend.com. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Dr. Connor Heffernan. He is an educator, a professor, a researcher obsessed with the history of physical culture and strength worldwide. This is his second time on the podcast, and today we're focusing on the history of stone lifting in cultures historically around the globe. We have a particular focus on Irish stone lifting, including a lot of the very fascinating research and literal uncovering of historic lifting stones that's been occurring in that country over the last few years. It's Indiana Jones meets Strongman, and you're in for a treat. Hope you enjoy the episode. Connor, I appreciate you joining me once again. The previous episode we recorded, which was years ago, I felt bad because you and I could have talked for hours and hours and hours, but today we're coming in with a slightly narrower focus, and let's see if it benefits our listeners. Connor, how are you doing today? For those who don't know you, I mentioned it a little in the intro, You know, give your like elevator pitch hey here's who i am here's what i'm passionate about okay so my name is connor hefnett i'm very happy to be here i am a lecturer in the sociology of sport at ulster university my research interest is the history of strength and fitness in a variety of forms so when were the first bodybuilding shows all the way back to you know how did people lift in ancient greece so very much the odd person at the powerlifting meet or the bodybuilding show saying actually 40 years ago and then being matched with black stars so that's me in a nutshell not the, not the most inspiring elevator pitch but probably the most truthful I, <laughs> I just want to point out that you and i share a connection because we prove in our in our separate careers we're two ends of a spectrum maybe or maybe we're on the same spectrum here of saying if you are a nerd and you're passionate about physical culture and strength training you can build a career out of that and uh, somehow it works people ask how it works i'm like i don't know i've never asked someone why they care but they do <laughs> and and as a strength journalist i'm the annoying one at the powerlifting competition asking questions and you're the annoying one at the powerlifting competition saying well well actually your history is a little off here so we're just really popular at parties we, we actually probably don't get invited to a lot of I was parties yeah, I'm not really at the parties, but if I was, I'm sure I would be the life and soul. I've been at a lot of powerlifting and weightlifting meets where I'm where afterwards I'm asking like, oh, wh where's everyone going for like the cheat meal? Where's everyone going uh, after this to celebrate? And they're like, we're 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 not we're not, and they're clearly going somewhere, and they just don't want they just don't want to let me know. Like we're supposed to meet celebration. They're like, oh, we'll probably just go back to the hotel. Probably won't do anything, David. You don't need to worry about that. But you did miss out. I didn't miss anything. No, 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 no. We're too, we're tired. We're not gonna. We're definitely. We're definitely not going to TGI Fridays and eating dozens of chicken fingers. So today we're going to be picking your beautiful and brilliant brain. Oh, that was alliterative. I didn't mean that to be about there we go. stone lifting. Because if there's one thing that you can point to 
throughout history that humans have been doing from prehistoric times to ancient times to today it's seeing who can lift big rocks and who can lift the biggest rocks and we're going to talk about that a little bit in the context of kind of human history and the history of sport and then we're going to actually focus preview folks on the history of irish stone lifting which is super fascinating and a lot of really cool new research has been uncovered and literally dug out of the ground in recent years so let's talk a little bit about stone lifting in the context of sport development who was the first person to pick up a stone how much did it weigh give me all the exact stuff because we definitely know that i'm kidding i'm kidding I was just about to fumble over a lot of responses there. I was like, well, maybe I could lie. That would go well. Um, <laughs> stones are the most permanent thing that we have in strength cultures and strength history. You know, we had the world's strongest man has just passed. We had the Sheffield a couple of weeks ago. And these are amazing mega events where we get the strongest people around the world to come together and pit their metal against one another. But the equipment that they have, the equipment that they use, you know, it eventually will disappear. It'll go into storage. It'll be sold, etc. The beauty of looking at a stone is that the stone that a person lifted in Scotland 300 years ago is the stone that someone lifts in Scotland today. Or the stone that someone raised over their head supposedly 2,000 years ago is still in the same spot. And anyone can go, anyone can see that stone, anyone can attempt to lift that stone. So my dead poet society, oh captain, my captain speech about stones are that they're the most democratic and long-lasting piece of equipment we have in this fitness sphere because anyone can lift them anyone can try to lift them and they last it's not the you know wheel of pain that roe created which is amazing but in 60 years will we still have a wheel of pain hopefully but you know we don't actually know you can walk into the stream of history with a lifting stone and see how you compare with past centuries so that's the first like inspirational aspirational thing to say about lifting stones the next is that lifting stones are damn cool and there's no, there's no two ways about it. And I think a lot of people will hopefully have seen Rogue Fitness, have done some amazing documentaries on stone lifting in Scotland, in Iceland, in the Basque region. But stone lifting is central to so many cultures and so many different parts of the world. So we know of ancient stone lifting cultures and modern stone lifting cultures in Ireland, England, Scotland, Wales, in the Faroe Islands, in the Basque Country, in Japan, in India, in Egypt, in ancient Rome, and in ancient Greece, and uh, uh, pretty much any civilization that's left a written record, it is quite possible to find something related to lifting a heavy object uh, that is found in nature more often than not a stone. And what is very cool about stone lifting is how old some of our records are. Now, you did ask me who's one of the first people to lift a stone overhead. The truthful answer is, I don't know. The academic answer is, I don't know, but, and that but is doing a lot of work, one of the earliest inscriptions we have comes from ancient Greece in the 6th century BC. It is a heavy stone, which weighs about 144 kilos, so it's about 317 pounds to convert it for our North American friends. And inscribed on the stone is, Bibon, son of Fola, has lifted me over his head with one hand. Now, historians dispute whether or not he lifted it overhead, whether he threw it overhead, whether anyone actually lifted the stone off the ground. But the fact that we have, you know, 6th century BC in ancient Greece, an athlete is being credited with lifting a stone. And this stone is so impressive that they have felt the need to actually inscribe this stone with his feet speaks, I think, to the importance and longevity of this type of lifting. 
or this type of implement that it was so impressive back then that it needed to be memorialized and like the beauty of us still having that record somewhere is even more impressive i i gotta say this is bybin you said lifted this stone supposedly yeah bybin an ancient greek athlete so b-y-b-o-n i'm gonna say bybin uh we need we need video evidence or it didn't happen you know what i mean like i think i i don't know a one-handed 317 pound over it I, that's that that'd be a pretty impressive feat today hence the suspicion um from a lot of historians myself included but it is still a significant thing to think about that this stone is being treated as a heavy lifting stone and if people want to look it up you can find images of the stone at the very least and it it looks like a stone that could be lifted now with one hand i'm a little bit more skeptical we know louis sear could lift a, a whiskey barrel overhead with one hand that was a couple of hundred pounds he obviously came a lot later in the 1800s so maybe um probably not probably not uh, because then as of now people like to lie about their stats a little bit you know on the internet everyone's a powerlifting champion it's good to see it's good to see some things have not changed that actually makes me feel good <laughs> right but this goes back to the permanency of stone lifting you know lie was it randy roach's wonderful collection muscle smoke and mirrors it's always been there in the you know even before we had a fitness industry it's always been there um but you know more more seriously the inscription of the stone the fact that it's cited as a lifting stone is something that i think is significant and is rather impressive and it's not unique to ancient Greece, like we know in ancient india or what we now call india and pakistan they had the akara the sort of one of the oldest forms of gyms that we have and persian slash iranian gyms would be up there in terms longevity but in the akara we know that people would lift heavy stones sometimes they'd put a stone around their necks it almost be like a donut and you'd pop it around your neck and you'd start doing squats or you would just simply lift a heavy stone and put it back down we know that in egypt there was a stone lifting culture we know that in japan there are stone lifting cultures and it's rather impressive because if you think about how diverse the modern fitness industry is you know where in a single city you can have kettlebell sport you can have crossfit you can have iron city fitness you can have powerlifting bodybuilding weightlifting strength sports as in world strongest man and world strongest woman okay but think about and those clusters now think about the fact that you have people doing a similar form of exercise with stones in all of these different cultures which aren't speaking to one another at that time like this is an organic movement where people are lifting stones in a variety of ways it's pretty cool and it speaks to the creativity of human beings because I'm being a little bit uh, derogatory about what we all do and love. Remember that Planet Fitness ad where it was like, I pick up heavy stuff and I put them back down? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And it was like the big, yeah, the big lunk of a fella and he's like, I pick up heavy stuff and put it back down. Really, that's what stone lifting is. But very early on, we inscribe these activities with real and important meaning so to look at scottish uh, stone lifting they talk about the you know clock could fear which are the manhood stones in scotland so if you could lift a heavy stone this was proof that you were a man in ireland there were manhood stones as well the clock and fear and again similar use of gallic to describe them and interesting we have evidence of like degrees of manhood so there's a lifting stone in Inishmore off the coast of Ireland. If you could lift it up to your knees, you were sort of like a bottom rung man. If you could lift it up to your chest, you were a mid man. If you could lift it up to your neck and kiss it three times, you were, you know, the most macho man to 
quote from WWF, the most macho man, you know, out there. Likewise, in Iceland and in Norway, you know, the most impressive warriors were the ones who could lift the heaviest stones. The most fearsome fighters were the ones who could lift the stones. So very early on, we went from I pick up heavy things and I put them back down to this is a test of masculinity. This is a test to find the greatest warrior. This is a test to find the most fearsome warrior. A huge amount of cultures, especially in Europe, Asia, and the Middle East, inscribe their very mythology around stones. So you'll find that a lot of Norse and Celtic cultures in particular, a lot of their stories of the old gods talk about stones in some capacity. Like stones are fundamental to the fight between good and evil, between right and wrong, between fearsome warriors and the fight against death. So we managed as a, a species to inscribe stones with a huge amount of importance for, for centuries. You know, and for, from, from very early on, it's seen as a test of human uh, endeavor and human will. Let's talk a little bit about Irish stone lifting specifically, which is a history and discipline that has had a lot had a lot more visibility with a lot of interesting discoveries a lot of things have been unearthed and when i say things have been unearthed i mean specifically historic stones being rediscovered pulled from the ground pulled from beaches uh forests uh farms and fields uh, i'd love to hear a little bit about the role that stone lifting has played in, in irish culture over the centuries and kind of how that translates today and what's being rediscovered today. I, like I love rogue fitness with all of my heart and I, you know, my home gym will eventually be decked out with rogue fitness equipment, etc. But but rogue is focused on Scotland. It's focused on Iceland. It's, it's focused on uh, the Basque region. So for many people, when you tell them that Ireland has a stone lifting culture, th- there's a sort of shock to it because like, but you know, rogue, did all of the the big stone lifting sites you're like well that, that was true when they made them but thankfully thank, and really building off of rogue's visibility of stone lifting there's an individual in ireland called david keown who as you say has quite rightly dug stones out of the ground so when i suppose pre-covid or in pre-covid times when the world was still same uh, in many different ways Myself and a few other individuals began to look back on lifting stones within Ireland. We found, you know, there were stories of stones in Ireland. There was folklore collections of stones in Ireland. We had mythologies around stones in Ireland, but we didn't actually have the physical sites. So we knew that they existed at some point, but we didn't know where these stones existed. Now, there was a late strength historian, Peter Martin, who had begun to look at different stones around the country, but no one had actually physically dug them out of the ground. And inspired by the Rogue Fitness documentaries, and looking up the stories of Peter Martin and then being in contact with myself and a few others, David Keown literally call him Indiana Stones now. And that's <laughs> the only way to describe David Indiana Stones because he goes around he goes around Ireland, speaks to locals from very rural parts of the country, reads the folklore collections, you know, gets a friend of a friend suggestion. My great granduncle, you know, two times removed, found this stone when he was in the nineteen twenties, etc. And he's discovered over 20 stones in the last year and a half. And what's so cool about this is the diversity of Irish stones. So the first thing that I'll say is David has discovered stones weighing, ranging from 120 kilos to about 220 kilos. So they're incredibly heavy stones. And like, you know, to put it into context, I think most people are probably familiar with the um, Hussefell stone, you know, which has been used in a lot of strength competitions. 
the Iceland that's an Icelandic stone, maybe the most famous single stone, at least for Western audiences now, because it's been replicated and used in so many strongman competitions. Yeah, exactly. So this is the Icelandic lifting stone. It weighs about 186 kilos. You know, you carry it in a very distinct fashion. You can now buy your own, like Husafell stone, sandbags, you know, iron shields that you can carry around. And it's used at the Arnold and it's used in a variety of different strength shows. And the story around that is it was supposedly lifted by a farmer's daughter and walked around the farm. And then the, the challenge is to replicate that feat. So it's the Husafell, as you rightly say, David, probably the most famous stone, you know, single stone anyway, the Dinny stones from Scotland, which weigh over 300 kilos. And what's there's two things that Mark Island is very interesting and actually unique in the world of lifting. And the first is that David has discovered a woman's stone. So going back to the Husafell stone, which I already mentioned, the story around that is, you know, it was lifted by the farmer's daughter and walked around the field. That's one of the few times we have an instance of a woman lifting a stone or there being a woman's lifting stone. Because as I mentioned, these are typically seen as tests of masculinity. We know that Jan Todd in the 1970s lifted the Dinny Stone and that feat has been replicated by subsequent female lifters. But the idea of a woman's lifting stone is really rare in a global context. And in Faha, in Clare, in the south of Ireland, in a cemetery, uh, in this beautiful picturesque region, we have a, a man's lifting stone, a cluck beside a woman's lifting stone, a cluck man. And the fact that we have a man's stone and a woman's stone side by side is completely unique within a global context. And it suggests that that lineage of masculinity tests also had a twin in femininity tests within Ireland. And I'm very happy to say that David rediscovered these stones a number of weeks ago myself, David, and Aisha Ulla, who's Ireland's strongest woman five times over, went to the field with a number of other individuals, and Aisha not only lifted the woman's stone, becoming the first woman on record to lift that stone, she also then went one step further and lifted the man's stone as well and did it quite easily. She may have popped a hamstring in the process of it, but she made it look very easy. Who among us, who among us hasn't popped a hamstring when lifting something? I do that about every other week. Of course. I mean, it's quite funny. You know, we went there with a number of lifters and I have quite bad sciatica at the moment because my son, they're like, Connor, do you want to try? And I was like, I mean, my dad is like 440. I think I'm good. It's like, because the man stone is maybe 165. The woman stone is like 130. I've never lifted an atlas stone over 80 kilos. I was like, I A, don't want to cripple myself and B, don't want to embarrass myself in front of a big group of lifters. So I, I, I saved my popped hamstring uh, at that point. It is my cowardly explanation of my actions that day so ireland has a woman stone and a man stone being very unique to have that and the fact that we have a woman stone speaks to a very unique celebration of woman's strength you know long before world's strongest woman long before women entered powerlifting entered crossfit entered olympic lifting any of that good stuff do we know a timeline of like when these stones when does the historical record show these stones were being used prior to them kind of falling out of the public consciousness, so to speak. In the 1930s, the Irish government created a national folklore project. So what they did was they gave every school child in Ireland a copybook and they said, go and ask your parents, your grandparents, and in some cases, the town drunk, and that is unfortunately not an exaggeration when you read through the uh, folklore collection. Sometimes it's effectively, I talk to this shady guy on the outskirts of town and you're like, but you're 10. 
<laughs> you should not be doing this. Uh, child protection aside, you know, they gave every child in Ireland a copy book and they said, go and speak to your parents, grandparents, your great-grandparents, your elders, and ask them about your region, your town, your village, because we're really concerned that an old way of living in Ireland is going to disappear. So with that in mind, you know, the school kids went out and they asked, and they got all of these local histories and local mythologies. And the problem with stone lifting, and it's raised very well in the Rogue Fitness documentaries and in some of the writings around stone, is oftentimes are, these are oral traditions unique to a region. So the stories about them are passed down from one person to the next. They're not necessarily written down. Now, the folklore collection, which is done in the 1930s, captures at least two generations of stories around these stones. So some people, it was their grandparents saying, I remember hearing a story of. So we can go back at least two generations, if not further. Outside of that, we're really looking at Irish mythology, you know, and Ireland has a rich mythology of stones in some capacity. Oshin, the son of a, a fearsome warrior, Fionn McCool, he died trying to lift a stone from a horse. We have Fionn McCool supposedly created the Giant's Causeway by throwing stones from Ireland to Scotland to fight another man. So we can we can look at like very old Irish myths, you know, thousands of years old to maybe get a sense of where stones would be. The National Folklore Collection is the primary site for finding these lifting stones. And then we have some drips and drabs from the 17 and 1800s when British colonizers in Ireland, for want of a better phrase, we're sort of mapping out the region. So they talk about stones at different crossroads, but it's predominantly from the National Folklore Collection. So we do have a written record that sort of captures the tail end of that oral tradition. That makes a ton of sense. I really appreciate the context of like, what are we looking at history? And I think it's really important for us to, to identify that, identify, you know, what is three generations removed and what is thousands of years removed. And, and obviously, you know, the fact that these might be hundreds of years, some of these stones might be these stories hundreds of years old. The fact that David and you and other people are able to go out and still find the stones signifies that they're in the realm of somewhat recent generational memory, which is really cool. Oh, yeah, no, completely. And I mean, you know, they're up until the 1940s, a lot of Irish poets and writers were writing about the stones. So, not only is it recent memory, but like recently they're central to Irish life. And you know, and this is similar to Scotland and the Iceland, Iceland as well, pardon me. The, the one trend I'm noticing here is Ireland has a lot of stones. And we all know that Ireland also has a lot of writers and poets, never in short supply from Ireland. No, and there's also a lot of alcohol attached these stories, but I don't want to bring in a third stereotype around the country. Uh, but um, this is part of it. Some of the folklore collections are about the strong man getting drunk and then lifting something just for the for the heck of it. Um, which yeah, some stereotypes exist for a reason, unfortunately. Uh, certainly around the Irish relationship with drink. No, uh, no comment. Uh, you, no comment on that. Uh, but I was celebrating Ireland's rich poetic history. You you brought a whole other realm to this, Connor. That's on that's on you. Yeah, okay, that's that's right. I, I can get away with it, so it's, it, it's fine. But yeah, you know, I'd say Ireland has a lot of lifting stones. What's interesting is the variety of stones mm. in Ireland. So in Scotland, a lot of the lifting stones, you know, are in a graveyard or uh, near a, a small stone wall, and your goal is to pick up the stone and push it on top of the wall, and then put the stone back down. It's a beautiful tradition. This is not me mocking it. 
in the Basque region, you pick the stone up, similar sort of to the Husafel stone, you know, you're sort of bear-hugging the stone up and then putting it back down. In Japan, with the uh, stones that are often found at Shinto, Shinto temples, sometimes you'll find evidence of sumo wrestlers like leg-pressing a stone. Mm-hmm. Now, other times they're lifting it to their chest, but for, sometimes for them, lifting the stone means lifting it in a different way, perhaps, than, than we would think about it. In Ireland, we have a couple of different ways of lifting stones. We have the Scottish tradition of lifting it up onto a wall. We have that three-tier masculinity system, which I talked about, which is up to your knees, up to your belly, up to your neck, kiss three times. I re- Just as an aside, I really want the Arnold to do the lift this up to your neck and kiss it three times. That would be so controversial, but imagine the social clips when it's slow-mo and you zoom in just to verify the kisses on the stone. That's the content we need. Right? I mean, I really think that. So I think Martins would absolutely be on board with this. I think he has the, you know, the sense of humor that and the strength to pull that off in a really interesting way. I just love the idea of going for the max lift. You know, are you going to win? Seeing them getting psyched up and picking it up and kissing it three times and then that being, you know, slow mode and inspirational music played over it. I think it would add a lot to. You can see why I'm not a promoter in any way, right? <laughs> I want to cover this content. That's what I'm saying. I want to produce content around this. Right? Like, I, I want to see, you know, Mitchell Hooper, obviously world's strongest man. What's he like when he's kissing a stone? I think yeah. this is what we want to, to know. I really ordered this wrong because we actually had recorded him on the podcast earlier this week. I wish we had flipped and recorded you before it because I could have asked him. Yeah, right? I mean, so aside from your training, how do you feel about kissing heavy objects? So we, we have the, the smooching test, right? And then we also have a variety of different ways, like picking it up on the, st- the ground, putting it overhead. And all of these things are found, all these stones, pardon me, are found in culturally significant sites. They're found in cemeteries, they're found in old schoolyards, they're found at crossroads where people meet or would have met historically. And as I said, the variety of weights, about 120 to 220 kilos, is matched by the variety of shapes and sizes of these stones. And there was a beautiful Facebook post that David put up where it's him in a collage with about 20 different stones. And you'll see some with like holes bored into the center of them, others that are very heavy influenced, like the Husafel stone. One that is just a huge slab, it weighs over 200 kilos. There's a beautiful photo of David sort of with ropes wrapped around it, trying to lift it up because the thing is so heavy. It needed needed construction equipment to actually dig it out of the ground. It was so heavy. But it's a variety of techniques and a variety of approaches. And, you know, for fans of strength, World's Strongest Man, World's Strongest Woman, fans of stone lifting. It is the most exciting development in stone lifting since the Rogue documentaries really brought stone lifting to the fore because we don't really get discoveries in stone lifting. The most exciting discovery I think that's probably ever been made was when David Webster, a great historian of strength, rediscovered the Dinny Stones um, in the mid mid to late 20th century. It was was 1953 to be exactly precise. We don't really get discoveries of lifting stones because they're either there and we know about them or they're not there and it's really hard to find them. Like even when Webster discovered the Diddy Stones, he talked about going through records, going through old archives, like sort of having a vague idea of where they are and then stumbling by the stream and seeing them. You know, they'd been lost for decades at that point. We don't really get new. So... This rediscovery that David has uh, initiated is very exciting because I think we're at a point in time where stones and strength in general has never been more popular. 
we're at a point where people are getting interested in different forms of lifting. And we're also seeing more and more varied types of stones being promoted in competition. So obviously, you know, at the Arnold, they had the really wonderful uh, Swiss tradition of picking up the lifting stone, running and throwing it as far as you could. So we're starting to see like the weird and wonderful of stones really breaking through into the mainstream in strength sports. So it's an exciting time to have new discoveries being put into, you know, this jambalaya of stones for want of a better phrase. And that, that is one of the best quotes I have ever heard in relation to anything in strength. Connor, where is the best place for people to follow along? And we'll, um, you know, you know, David's someone I follow on social and we'll make sure to link him in the show notes uh, so that people can follow along with him as well. Where's the best place for people to follow along with you and your continued research and involvement in the history of physical culture? So, obviously, I write for Barbent and I'm always grateful and excited about, about this relationship. So every month I'm publishing new and weird and wonderful articles on pretty much anything from how strong was Jay Cutler, or you know, how strong was Dorian Yates, to here's eight weird strengths of feet, uh, which will be coming out later this month. So first and foremost, check me out on Barbend. I have my own website, which is not as well produced as Barbend, which is Physical Culture Study. And then you can also find, if you type in Connor Heffernan Stones, you can find an article that I wrote uh, quite recently for RT Brainstorm, a domestic Irish news site on stone lifting in Ireland, some of our mythology around it, some of our po- uh, poems around it, etc. And then obviously follow David Keown, Indiana Stones. And again, I, I'm looking forward to a day where we have a cartoonized version of David on a t-shirt with Indiana Stones that's being worn at an Arnold or a World Strongest Man. You could you could make that happen. And I will say, if you just Google Connor Heffernan Stones, that made me think, you could change your name. Connor Heffernan Stones is is a is a heck of a name it's not too it's late pretty good i mean i'm still trying to get max power like homer did in the simpsons <laughs> um, there's a copyright issue of me and 20th century fox at the moment to see ca- can i legally call myself max power so stay tuned the barman podcast not, cannot comment on on current litigation so. i got right if, uh, top gun was my other choice but then that reboot has really made that problematic Connor, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you for sharing us, sharing with us not only this history, but your personal involvement and passion in making this, helping to make this more mainstream, helping to make this more accessible, and helping to make this history more visible. It is always a pleasure, my friend. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, never a chore. So always here when you want to talk about the weird and wonderful history of strength. <laughs>